a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back to Inside Sources. I'm your guest host, Lee Lonsberry. I'm joined in studio right now by Carrie Butler, who is the policy director of Action Utah. The reason I invited Ms. Butler into the studio today is, uh, well, first for a number of reasons. Uh, we started this week learning of a, a tragic shooting in Odessa, Texas. Uh, if I remember correctly, seven casualties. And going back further, uh, earlier in the month, Texas uh, fell victim in El Paso uh, to another mass shooting. In Dayton, Ohio, a mass shooting. And uh, and you know, uh, as well as I do, that as we go back in time, uh, there's a long list of shootings like this. Um, I brought uh, Ms. Butler in uh, as a representative of, of Action Utah to first tell us what Action Utah is and to describe some of the work that that organization has been doing uh, at the state level to enact some red law legislation here uh, in the state. So, Ms. Butler, let me first start off. What is Action Utah? Hi. Hi, Lee. Thanks for having me on. So Action Utah is an organization that primarily is seeking to boost civic engagement on a variety of issues, but particularly on issues that Utahns uh, care the most about. So we work uh, on, a, like I said, a wide variety. We work in uh, air quality. We work in education, health care policy, and um government and families and communities. Do you focus your efforts on the state level, uh, the federal level? Is there, are there any boundaries or wh- where do you focus your efforts? Right. So we feel like we can um, help people make a meaningful difference when they're focusing on state level issues, particularly. Sometimes we weigh in on uh, federal issues, but not very often. We want to pe- people to feel like they can be engaged at any level of government, but particularly in, mus- in their municipal governments and the state government that we, that we are fortunate enough to have access to. I've found, and I'm sure you'll agree with this, over the years that the Utah state legislature, as compared to other states and the legislatures of other states, is remarkably approachable and accessible. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are individuals that work among us each day. It's not a full-time legislature. Right. Uh, and these folks, uh, you know, have families of their own. They have day jobs. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, regardless of your efforts, uh, it is, uh, I think, uh, something that might make your efforts all the easier, uh, just knowing that you really can go to the website, see their phone number, and oh, yeah. give them a call. <laughs> oh, yeah. At first, I was like, well, this cannot be right. <laughs> but yeah, right? it is. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Let me ask, they're on your on your Action Utah website, you have mm-hmm. a video that introduces uh, your approach to uh, your efforts. Mm-hmm. It says that you are apolitical. 
Yeah. Talk, talk a bit about that, please. So we take a position of the majority of Utahns. So we don't try, we're nonpartisan. We just look at issues that a majority of Utahns care about, and then we adopt the position of the majority. And we do that through polling data, uh, most often through Utah Foundation or Hinckley Institute, or uh, oftentimes we'll follow uh, Des News, Deseret News polling um, to identify what issues, where people stand on the issues. And a lot of times it feels like we are a little maybe progressive leaning, but that is the way the ball bounces, I think, in Utah. A majority of us agree on a majority of issues in the state. And including in our state legislature, we'll see there's a lot of agreement on a lot of a lot of major issues, including and especially like air quality and health care. So uh, T- tell me tell me what your tell me what your findings have found uh, regarding Utah's attitude towards this state level red flag law. Right. That's really interesting, actually. So we started working on this uh, a couple of years ago because we identified a poll, um, several polls that showed that Utah's at a rate of 68% support or or highly support ERPO, Extreme Risk Protective Orders. Can you d- define that for us, please? Yeah, so the Extreme Risk Protective Order, commonly known as the Red Flag Bill, is a, is a piece of a tool that would allow a family member or a law enforcement officer to uh, file for a protective order to temporarily separate a person in crisis from their firearm. So this is a person who is uh, exhibiting symptoms or behaviors that are dangerous to themselves or to others and separates them temporarily from their firearms. This is a person who does not rise to the level of adjudicated mentally ill, cannot be, in, uh, cannot believe, cannot be civilly committed and hasn't committed a crime, right? This is an attempt to address a very, very small percentage of people who uh, have access to firearms can do harm with those firearms and maybe help prevent... uh, prevent a tragedy. Representative Steve Handy, who we've heard on, on these airwaves over the past number of weeks, uh, he led an effort uh, mm-hmm. as, as a representative to to enact a, a bill, this very bill that you're describing. Right. That effort was, was unsuccessful. Right. Do you know, uh, what, are the, what are the plans for the future? So I know that Representative Handy has opened an, a bill file, and I think that there are other legislators who are also considering uh, opening legislation that would address this issue um i feel like it's getting a little bit of traction a lot more traction than it has in the past year specifically because of what you mentioned the recent shooting in texas the el paso shooting the dayton shooting the gilroy shooting i think people are finally waking up and saying enough is enough we need to do something that is at least mitigating some damage some danger and protecting the public safety just a little bit. And I feel like this is a really good balanced bill that does that. Unintended consequences mm-hmm. can often haunt us. Right. And catch up to us after we put in place what uh, we may think is a good idea, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, maybe not. Uh, the The point I'm getting to is you mentioned that it is... That these red flag laws allow for a family member, uh, uh, a significant other, a mm-hmm. spouse, uh, in some cases, a roommate or a former spouse or former uh, live-in girlfriend or boyfriend. They could approach uh, a judge for a hearing. 
I am aware of some individuals and organizations that have concern with that, where mm-hmm. one of these unintended consequences may be abuse of that ability and right. maybe in uh, to seek retribution for something right. irrelevant to the threat of, of gun use. Right, right, uh, right. They may, they may call for one of these hearings. Mm-hmm. What, what would you respond to those concerns? Right, Lee. So that's a common concern that we hear a lot of the time. Like, my girlfriend's going to get real mad at me and she's going to file one of these uh, red flag bills against me and remove my firearms as as punishment. And uh, here is what we have done to in order to mitigate that. We uh, have included language in the bill that allows um, number one, the de- definition of family is very narrow in the bill. A person cannot it can be your next door neighbor. It can be like an ex girlfriend from ten years ago. It has to be somebody who's lived with you in your home for six months. Six months. Uh Uh-huh. And in addition to that, there is a pretty high penalty for false reporting. So in Utah, the language of the bill includes a third-degree felony for false reporting, which is higher than in any other state. So, uh, or I don't know if it's higher than any other state that has it, but it's pretty high. Most of it is, most of the penalties are either non-existent or they're misdemeanors. In addition to that, the, the, evidence that we're seeing from states who have had this on the books for 20 plus years are those, seeing, are, those are states like california no california's is actually pretty new so indiana and connecticut are the ones who have had theirs the longest they've had theirs since the mid 90s so the evidence that we're seeing from some of the states who have had them the longest in place the longest the the data just isn't really bearing out the idea that people are abusing this However, in order to mitigate that, we have included this uh, penalty for false reporting. Understood. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tell me in the few moments we have left, what would this law not do? I know there are a lot of folks that are concerned that uh, that this is another tool for the government to take away their guns. Right. Very basically, that's that's the reaction. Right. W- what would this bill not do? So people are concerned that this is actually a violation of constitutional rights, Second Amendment rights in particular. Now, this is uh, something that's been around for a couple of decades, and it's been tested and prevailed in court time and time again. This is not a violation of Second Amendments. This actually helps... Uh, people retain their Second Amendment rights. Now, if somebody is in crisis and they use a firearm to commit a crime uh, against themselves or the others, and and they're unsuccessful, right? And meaning that they are they have survived the crisis or they have survived that uh, attempt, they are they then become a, a per- permanently prohibited person, meaning that they can never ever own firearms again. Now, if we can intervene a little bit further upstream and get this person the help uh, and access to help that they need, we can prevent them from becoming a prohibited person. And then the second uh, the second thing is that we, we see that red flag laws or ERPO laws help significantly reduce suicides. And in the state of Utah, we have a problem with suicides. We're fifth in the nation for that. And we know that one of the biggest interventions we can make is to remove access to the most dangerous, most lethal means, which is firearms. A majority of our suicides are firearm suicides in the state of Utah. Uh, we know that in states that have had ERPOs, they have seen 1 to 10, 10, 10% reductions to 17% reductions in suicide. And uh, this is really an important step that we can take in reducing our state's We've been speaking with uh, Carrie Butler, who's the policy director at Action Utah. She's just informed us uh, the ins and outs of an attempt to bring about a red flag law 
here in the state of Utah at the state level. Uh, Ms. Butler, I'm grateful to you for your time. Thanks, I'm grateful Lee. for all this information. As you go forward, uh, both with this effort and on all these other efforts that uh, that you extract from the, the popular will of Utah, right. I, I, I'd like you to keep me informed. Please, okay. uh, let's not let this be the last conversation. I'd love to. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here, and after, we're going to speak with Representative John Curtis, who has signed his name on to a federal effort uh, to bring about red flag laws. My name is Lee Lonsberry. I'm your guest host here on Inside Sources. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. Welcome back to Inside Sources. I'm your guest host, Lee Lonsberry. We're joined this segment by Utah Representative John Curtis, represents Utah's 3rd District. Uh, he jumped to mind the other day as uh, I started the week learning the sad news of another mass shooting in Odessa, Texas. Uh, the, when we hear of these tragic events, we often ask ourselves and we hear from others, uh, what ought we do in response to this? Well, a number of legislators are around the around the country uh, on both the federal and state level uh, have started this conversation again, reignited rather uh, a conversation about red flag uh, legislation. Uh, Congressman Curtis, sir, how are you? Hey, I'm terrifically good to talk to you. Uh, you, sir, are a co-sponsor of H.R. 744. That's the Protecting Our Communities and Rights Act, uh, sponsored by uh, Congressman John Katko of New York. Let me first ask you, why are you a co-sponsor? Well, I think it's really important, to, uh, if we're going to talk about red flag bills, to, to, to really clarify. Um, there are Red flag is this huge category, and it's gotten kind of a bad name. So um, I'm a sponsor of this one to answer your question because it, it answers the questions that people usually have concerns with, with red flags. But more importantly, I think it actually does something to move the needle that would, would protect us in a lot of these situations we've seen. Red flag laws, very basically, when someone demonstrates a clear and present threat to themselves or others, uh, someone, a member of their family or a law enforcement officer, can trigger a hearing which could uh, remove from that person's possession those firearms. There are some conservative uh, concerns and fears that this is a violation of the Second Amendment. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, sir? Well, I think you have to be super careful. First of all, I'm a major supporter of the Second Amendment, and even if even if you aren't, you're not going to get legislation passed that's that's contrary to the Second Amendment. The important thing is to have appropriate due process, and that's why red flag bills get a lot of uh, get a bad reputation. Is some of them don't have a very good due process. So it was important to me uh, before I, I joined this one to understand the due process, and this one has a, a very healthy due process. The individual must be notified. 
they must have their day uh, before a judge, uh, before a firearm is removed. And it can't, it, it can't be discriminatorily charged by a neighbor or somebody who would just be dissatisfied with them. It's got to be a family member. So it, it is quite narrow, um, but I think it's a great place to start in dealing with uh, a goal I think all of us agree with regardless of where you are on this issue, is that there are people who we don't want to have firearms. We can agree to that. The question is, what's the appropriate way to keep them from having a firearm? The the de, the definition of family member in this piece of legislation, it defines that, or the definition includes an individual with whom you have cohabitated for a year, essentially a roommate or a live-in girlfriend or boyfriend. I am aware of some fears by held by some that this piece of legislation could be used if enacted into law could be used to seek retribution and may be abused uh do, do you have concerns sir along those lines are the benefit do the benefits outweigh any of those or what are your thoughts uh, facing those concerns well i think we always have to be concerned when we um threat to deal with somebody's rights so i i don't um i don't begrudge those who have concerns and i think they need to be answered i think that this uh, is parallel to other parts of the law uh, for restraining orders, let's say in domestic violence situations where, um, you know, it's, it's very, very similar to what we do with restraining orders. So, yes, there is a chance for abuses. There is with anything with the law. We just have to be super careful as we go forward to make sure we're, we're, we're not inappropriately taking away somebody's rights. It's uh, being predicted and maybe even telegraphed by Senator McConnell that when the Senate resumes that this type of legislation uh, or at least legislation containing the spirit of red flag uh, law uh, could be considered as well as uh, amendments to background checks, a universal background check piece of legislation. Where do you sir stand on 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 that piece? Well, um, once again, the devil's in the details. I think uh, most of us agree uh, that an appropriate background check is, is useful. Um, I hear some calls that would uh, actually create a gun registry, um, and that's a, a line that many of us won't, won't cross. You wouldn't so cross that line yourself, sir? No, no, not at all. And I think so. you got to be careful when you talk about a background check. Um, about what you're specifically talking about. It's sure a background check that makes sure that we're checking for, you know, felonies and, and, and other things that are important, um, but uh, not getting into the point where we've actually had a gun registry. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you for all that. In, in full disclosure, let me say that, uh, that I, as a, I'm a staff member for Congressman Bishop, and uh, our offices are right next to each other. You and I cross paths in the hallway quite often in the morning. We do, and um, we're we're gonna miss you if Congressman Bishop really goes through with his, with his threat to retire. Um, he's, been a, he's been a really good friend to me and a mentor, and and um, has been a really important part of my short time in Congress. That's kind of you to say. Uh, before I let you go, I uh, have become aware you are sir hosting a rural business summit in Carbon County on Friday. What are the details on that? Well, thank you for asking about it. I. Um, I, I, my heart aches a lot of time when I go into rural Utah because they're not enjoying the same economy that we are here in Salt Lake, Utah County, and other places of the state. They have a much higher unemployment rate. Um, and so I, I feel like one of the things where I have some expertise is economic development, and we're trying to bring together teams and people who can help facilitate uh, progress in that area and, and just a really important uh, part of our district. Illustrate for me some of those ch challenges. What are the unique uh, uh, challenges that, that are faced in rural Utah? 
Well, uh, it's economy based on coal, uh, much of it. Um, I tell my uh, my friends back in Washington, D.C., when they beat up on coal, I said, hey, be careful. I have a county that's called Carbon County. <laughs> <laughs> and they're good people. And they, they've worked hard for decades producing the, the, the resources that we've needed and, and asked them to do. And so I'm, it's important to me to work with them and help them um, continue to find appropriate uses for coal. We've got carbon fiber uh, that's not explored as much as it should be. And, uh, and at the same time, help them transition to a new economy because you take all the regulation out of coal, it's still kind of diminishing in use due to the price of natural gas. And so we've got to help them transition their economy and just feel like there's a lot of work to do with a lot of really important people in our state in the rural parts. Very good. Congressman, I'm grateful to you. Thanks for calling in. Thanks for being a part of the All program right. here today. Uh, and I'm going to I'm going to keep a close eye on this HR 744, the Protecting Our Communities and Rights Act. Uh, if I'm correct, it's uncertain its future, uh, but we're going to keep an eye on it. And if you if you learn something before before I do, sir, please uh, through staff or directly, let me know, please. Sure, Willie. Have a super day. Thank you for your time. Thanks for life.